so there's a story about a big, brute, bully on a bike, on a Harley Davidson bike. It looks something like this. Uh, This guy on his Harley was at an intersection waiting for the light to turn green when up came a man on a moped. An elderly man on a blue moped wearing a green jacket. Uh, The elderly man on the moped was very interested in this Harley Davidson motorcycle. So he said to the big brute bully on the bike, can I take a closer look at your Harley? On the bike, looked at the old man on the moped, gave him a once over and snarled, whatever stirs your soup, old man, go for it. So the guy on the moped leaned over really close to get a really good look at this Harley Davidson motorcycle. And then he looked up at the guy on the bike and said, wow, I bet this motorcycle goes a whole lot faster than my moped. Just then, the light turned green. And the guy on the Harley gunned it. In 30 seconds, he was going 100 miles an hour. (laughs) He was chuckling to himself when he looked into one of his rearview mirrors and he saw this blue and green dot behind him. He couldn't figure out what it was, but this blue and green dot all of a sudden raced right in front of him. And then it whipped back behind him. It kept going back and forth, back and forth. He had no idea what this blue and green dot was. Finally, the blue and green dot crashed into him. It was the guy on the moped, the blue moped with the green jacket. And after being whipsawed back and forth multiple times, this moped crashed into the Harley. The guy in the Harley was reeling from the crash. He walked up to the old guy in the moped and said, Is there anything I can do for you, old man? The old man said, Yeah, as he collected himself and tried to compose himself. The old man said to the guy in the Harley, Yeah. You can do something for me. You can unhook my suspenders from your Harley. (laughs) Not bad, not bad, right? (laughs) Well, so there you go. (laughs) None of us intentionally, and here's the whole point of the sermon, all right, none of us intentionally hook our suspenders to something dangerous, right? We're not foolish enough to do that. But all of us, I mean all of us, (laughs) have taken a closer look at forbidden things. And then we got hooked. And the result of getting hooked to Harley... It's a crash just waiting to happen. 
the high school basketball star, was just looking, just taking a closer look. His girl's friend is pregnant now. Uh, there's the businessman who has just taken a closer look how to cut some ethical corners, and now he lost his job. There's the woman who has just taken a closer look at, at, at more alcohol, and now she's lost everything. There's the man who takes the closer look. He's the gadabout around town, and he just loves to take closer looks at gossip and slander, and now he has no friends. We've all taken a closer look at forbidden things. Then what happens? <laughs> we get hooked to Harley. <laughs> and then we crash and burn. And the subsequent pain and heartache and shame and guilt is overwhelming. Help is on the way. We're in this eight-week sermon series on the Old Testament prophet Daniel. We're calling it Thriving No Matter What Hits You. And today, we already have got the theme pretty well focused. Today, thriving when we are pressured to conform. When this wave of secular conformity is coming right after us and we, like this lighthouse, we stand. We stand when pressured to conform. Put another way, we won't hook our suspenders to Harley. Because once we're hooked, once we're hooked on something, once we're conformed, then we go over a cliff, and it gets really, really ugly. Here's our key text. Thriving when we're pressured to conform to this present evil age. And here's the text, Daniel 1.8. Daniel, now remember he's about 17 years old at this point, right? Daniel resolved. Uh, this is the English Standard Version. More literally, from Daniel's Hebrew, it means to set his heart. And heart in the Bible means your entire inner life. Not just my emotions and feelings, but also my thinking, my mind, my self-talk. See, he resolved, he was resolute. He set his heart that he would not defile himself. To defile, of course, means to corrupt, pollute. To defile means to, to go along with the culture, lock, stock, and barrel. To defile means I'm going to accommodate. I'm going to be a good old boy or a good old girl. Just go along to get along. That's to defile ourselves. We can defile ourselves, corrupt ourselves, pollute ourselves, contaminate ourselves sexually, financially, relationally. And Daniel says, I'm not going to do that. I have resolved. I've settled the issue. I have a purpose in my heart that I will not contaminate myself with Babylon. Babylon. 
here is a late 7th century B.C. artwork. It's called a relief picturing the great Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. Folks, this is governmental propaganda. You can figure that out. Nebuchadnezzar. He's bigger than everybody, and he's sitting on the throne. And all you other people, you're just small, little, insignificant people. It's all about the mighty Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 1 is resolved to exile these Judeans to Babylon. A Judeans named Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Nebuchadnezzar, he has a resolve to not only exile them, but to change their names to Belshazzar and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar is resolved to enroll them in Babylonian State University. Nebuchadnezzar is resolved to teach them cuneiform. We talked about that last week. You can see cuneiform symbols at the bottom, at the top of this piece of art. Nebuchadnezzar is even resolved to dictate what these Judean teenagers are going to eat and drink. Nebuchadnezzar is resolved finally to brainwash these Judean youths so that they completely forget Moses, Elijah, David, Aaron, Samuel. Nebuchadnezzar wants to wipe the memory of the Old Testament out of these teenage minds. Nebuchadnezzar is resolved to Babylonianize these Judean exiles. Now, it'd be easy at this point, right? Uh, For Daniel just to say, I'm just a teenager. I'll just be a passive victim. I'll just go along with the program, right? Why make a fuss of things? But Daniel meets Nebuchadnezzar's resolve with a resolve of his own. Daniel 1.8, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. He put it in his heart, he had a plan and a purpose that he would not cave in or compromise or just go along. Daniel stands up for character, and Daniel has courage and spine and spunk. (laughs) Well, where do we get that? Uh, Where do we get the resolve that Daniel has when we stand before our boss (laughs) or our government or, or, or when Uh, People we live with are trying to pressure us to conform. Uh, What do we do, right? When it's our friends or the media that wants to Babylonianize us, indoctrinate us, brainwash us, what do we do to stand strong? Well, Daniel helps us. First, Guard, watch, protect, hold tight our identity. Identity. So Daniel 1.5. 
the king, this is the mighty Nebuchadnezzar, assigned them, that them would be Daniel and Hananiah, Misael, and Azariah, these four Judean teenagers, a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. Now put yourself in Daniel's shoes. You're 17 years old. You're 700 miles away from home. You're 700 miles away from parental supervision. Uh, You're standing before the king, the most powerful man in the world at the time, and he promises you perks and a life of luxury. And Nebuchadnezzar says, you will stand in my court. Uh, You will eat and drink the best food and the finest of wines. Think Eddie Merlot. What does Daniel do? Let us, us again, Daniel and his three friends, be given vegetables, vegetables. So you got a T-bone steak at Eddie Merlot's. You're saying, no, I just want peas and carrots. This is amazing. And, and not even flavored water. <laughs> just water. Vegetables and water. See, Daniel is guarding his identity. In the Old Testament, there are dietary laws. Uh, We call them kosher laws today, right? Uh, Why does God give his people, Israel, the book of Leviticus, these dietary laws, what they can eat and drink? He did it so his people would be different and set apart and holy. And not conform. Uh, God gave Israel these dietary laws so they would treasure their identity as God's own prized, priceless possession. So Daniel is saying, I don't care if everyone is looking at what is wrong and calls it right, it's still wrong. Let me repeat that. Uh, Daniel is looking at the Babylonian culture and saying, I don't care if everyone is saying what is wrong is right. That doesn't make it right. You see, wrong and right are determined by God in his word. Wrong and right are not up for a majority vote. Wrong and right are in God's scriptures. So Daniel, Daniel is saying by the the vegetable and and water verse, he's saying, you can change my address, you can change my name, but you will never change my identity. You will never make me like one of you. You will not Babylonianize me. I don't belong to Babylon. I belong to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, we all know that there are all kinds of forces trying to (laughs) Babylonianize us. Ideologies, worldviews, philosophies, movements that want to Babylonianize us, that, that want to conform us to greed and gossip, lust and lies, pride and pretense. But we guard our identity. We, 
We're not Babylonian. <laughs> we're baptized. We're blood-bought. Uh, we belong to the Heavenly Father. You see, you can change my address, you can change my name, but I will never become one of you. I am not a secular atheist. I'm not a self-serving pleasure machine. I'm not just living for myself. I'm not a fake and phony churchgoer. No, I'm a believer. <laughs> I'm a believer in Jesus. So we guard our identity. We watch our identity. We, we hold on to our baptismal identity. We're not Babylonian. We are Christians. And that means we're different. Daniel also teaches us to guard our feelings. Guard our feelings. <laughs> no one wants to take a close look and get hooked to Harley. No one wants to have a life of misery and despair and brokenness. So we guard our identity. We guard our feelings. Daniel 1.8, Daniel asked the chief of the eunuchs. If you were here last week, his name is Ashpenaz, Ashpenaz, to allow him not to defile himself. Now, now look, Daniel doesn't become belligerent. Daniel doesn't insist on rights. Daniel doesn't get angry and mad. Daniel's in control of his feelings. This isn't bad for a teenager. Look at it. He didn't demand. He didn't expect. He asked. He asked. Daniel is in control of his feelings. Now, feelings are good. Feelings are God-given. But if I'm going to avoid getting hooked to a Harley and hooked to stuff that kills and steals and destroys, I've got to guard my feelings. I've got to say to my feelings, you are not absolutely in charge here. I need to rule my feelings and not let my feelings rule me. Because as soon as my feelings rule me, <laughs> I start to vacillate. I start going with my gut. I start thinking, well, that'll feel really, really good. And then I'm leaning over for a closer look. No, I guard my feelings. Uh, look at this, Daniel 1.12. Test your servants for 10 days. Isn't that great? Uh, Daniel's not leading with his emotions. He's logically trying to figure things out. Uh, give us 10 days on vegetables and water and, and, and give us a chance with that, right? Feelings are good. They help us become compassionate and sympathetic and kind and empathetic. But feelings are not facts. <laughs> feelings can exaggerate things, right? All the time. They exaggerate what's going on, how people think about me. They exaggerate all the time. As soon as I lead with my feelings, right, <laughs> then I'm hooked to a Harley, and then I defile myself sexually or financially or relationally. So where do you find the kind of power 
and spine and courage to be like Daniel, to, to stand up for Jesus. Where do you find that? Where is Daniel finding this inner resolve in his heart to stand up to the mighty Babylonian Nebuchadnezzar? The gifts God gives Daniel are the same gifts God gives you and me. I have Jesus with me. Believe it or not, Daniel is the book in the Old Testament that gives us the most beautiful portrait of Jesus. Jesus is eternal. He's the eternal Son of God, God the Son. And so Jesus shows up, right, throughout the book of Daniel before, of course, he's born in flesh in Bethlehem. Jesus is with Daniel as the all-powerful stone. We'll have a whole sermon on that next weekend. Uh, Jesus is with the people in the furnace. He's the fourth man in the furnace. We'll look at that in two weeks, Daniel 3.25. Who shuts the mouth of the lions? Well, it's the messenger. It's Christ. Jesus is the divine Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven, Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. Jesus in Daniel chapter 9, 26 is the sacrificial Messiah who's cut off from the land of the living, who sheds his blood and rises again on the third day. This is amazing. How did Daniel resolve in his heart? He had Jesus with him. Jesus is all of that and so much more. Daniel also had what we have, the Holy Spirit in me. In Daniel chapter 4, those three verses, in Daniel chapter 5, those two verses, Babylonian kings, Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel 4, the last Babylonian king named Belshazzar, Daniel 5, they make this confession of Daniel. That Daniel has the spirit of the holy God. It's kind of amazing. That it's not by might, it's not by power that Daniel stands. It's by God's spirit, the Holy Spirit. The spirit of the holy God. 1 John 4, 4. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That's why Daniel's taking a stand. That's why we stand. I have Jesus with me, the Holy Spirit in me. I have God's family around me. I'm not alone in this. I'm not standing up alone. Fourteen times in his book, Daniel mentions his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, or their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Fourteen times. I have God's family around me. So do you. I know many of you. You inspire me. You show me what it's like to guard your Christian identity. You show me what it's like to guard your feelings. You show me what it's like to stand up for Jesus. So that's why Daniel resolved had a purpose, became stubborn and steadfast and immovable. He set his heart that no matter 
what came, he would not defile himself. I will not ever become a Babylonian. And you see, the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts. The blood of Jesus cleanses our hearts. The Word of God instructs our hearts. So we won't defile ourselves. Put another way, we won't take a closer look and get hooked to a Harley. 